Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. I believe that today is an important day in history, and I'll tell you why here in a second. But first of all, what are you looking at here on the screen? What you're looking at is the Federal Reserve balance sheet. And I know for some of my viewers, this is review. This is maybe beating a dead horse to some extent. But basically, I want to give you guys all a a good background on this, okay? This is the Fed balance sheet, which mostly consists of two things, mortgage-backed securities and treasury bonds, U.S. treasury bonds, okay? And prior to the Great Recession, the Fed did have a balance sheet that slowly increased over time. However, beginning in 2008, during the financial crisis, during the Great Recession, they needed to, in some ways, prop up the markets, provide liquidity to the system, help prop up large financial institutions. And so they began an unprecedented policy, in their case, in the case of the Federal Reserve, known as quantitative easing. You also might have heard it referred to as QE or QE1, 2, and 3. Um, and those are referring to three different rounds here. You can see the first one here second one right here, and then the third one right here, in which the Fed bought up a bunch of these assets, these treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. It's a highly inflationary uh, policy by the Fed. It's unprecedented. And beginning one year ago today, they actually under, underwent or began a equally unprecedented policy, and that was reversing that reversing quantitative easing, also known as quantitative tightening. And so what it involves is that during this period of time after QE3, what the Fed did is they kept these mortgage-backed securities, these bonds, on their balance sheet. And when they expired, or when they matured, I should say, when these bonds matured, they would take those funds and reinvest those back into the market, thus providing a support for these markets because they were always a buyer. Whenever these bonds would mature, they would buy up new ones. Beginning a year ago today, they began to reduce their balance sheet. And you can kind of see it on this chart right here. You know, If I zoom this into maybe um, 2014, maybe you guys could see it better. Uh, but you can kind of see it begin right there. And this is a little bit better of a picture right here. You can see the tail end of QE3 right here. This QE or whatever you want to call it, just maintain their balance sheet. Beginning in October 2017, they began to reduce their balance sheet. At first, only at $10 billion a month. We're talking over $4 trillion worth in assets. The first quarter, though, they began at only $10 billion a month. Second quarter, they changed to $20 billion a month. Third quarter, $30 billion. Fourth quarter, $40 billion. And fifth quarter which begins today, October 1st, 2018, they have increased the pace, the fastest that they've stated they will increase it to, $50 billion a month of balance sheet unwind. So why why is this significant? Like, why am I making a big deal out of this? You know, in many ways, I would relate to our, our current situation to uh, the, the maiden voyage of the Titanic. And I know it's it's a cliche, okay? But bear with me here, okay? 
The Fed recently just raised interest rates, their Fed funds rate, for the eighth time since they began raising them again uh, in, in 2015. Okay, We are now one year into this quantitative tightening cycle. We've just increased to the fastest pace yet. And in many ways, it's the hubris of the Fed is much like the hubris of the um, the you know the captain or the officers of the Titanic. They want to get across the Atlantic Ocean as fast as possible. They could care less about things like icebergs that might get in their way. They could care less about taking it slow or or taking a different route. No, they want to get across the Atlantic Atlantic as quick as possible. Okay, because of course the Titanic was unsinkable. And I think you have a very similar, I don't know, I get the very sim- a very similar sense from, from the Fed and, and many analyst economists today that the U.S. economy is unsinkable. Sure, the, the possibility of a recession absolutely exists. They, they won't, they're not that stupid to think that we'll never dip into a recession. But if we do, surely it won't be as bad as 2008, right? It's, it's just going to be a small recession, right? Um, and, and, and when it does happen, it's always two years in the future, right? Back in 2016, it was going to be uh, maybe 2018, you know. By 2017, it's going to be 2020. Now that we're in 2018 and, and, and you know, I, I think things are, are, are starting to, to certainly change, these economists, these analysts are saying, I think we're safe until 2020, 2021. 20, and you're going to keep hearing this until all of a sudden the unexpected happens and we slip into a recession ahead of schedule, at least ahead of the predictions of a lot of these people. In many ways, it's like the iceberg warnings. You know, the, the, the Fed is getting warnings, not only from economists, from analysts, but signals in the economy, whether it's the housing market currently, right now, beginning to turn over, or the emerging market crisis that has been ongoing for most of 2018. They're getting signals, much like the Titanic was getting reports from other boats of, of well, icebergs in these waters, right? And yet the officers, the captains ignored that either deciding that there's there's little chance of them running into it, or if they do, who cares? It's an unsinkable ship. Well, I think that just like with a Titanic, I think when we eventually hit our iceberg, when we have another crisis, whether it's a financial crisis similar to 2008, or if it's different, if it's some sort of a contagion, or if it starts somewhere else, or it's in some other market other than the housing market, which it probably will be, uh, bond market, something like that. Um, I think this iceberg is is much is going to be much 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 larger and damaging than I think the Fed and and so many mainstream economists and so many uh, analysts expect. So you know, I thought this was an important day in history. They just ramped it up beginning this month, October first, to the fastest pace yet. Right? It's it's not unlike again the Titanic sailing across and and the captain basically saying you don't give. Give her a little bit more, you know, throttle or, or thrust or whatever. Um, that's increased speed a little bit more so we can we can get across the Atlantic as quick as possible. We're seeing a very similar thing play out today. And and I think it, it's insane how much the stock market has thrived in the last year. It's insane. Because when you look at the facts of it, the the quantitative easing and keeping interest rates low was a big part of what really propped up the stock market for most of this quote-unquote recovery since the Great Recession. Well, a lot of that's being pulled away, and yet the stock market continues to climb, right? And at some point, you know, that divergence between these two things is going to collapse, and it's going to be violent. You know, the other side of it is also the bond market. You know, a little bit of a different story here, but when you remove this type of support from the Fed for the bond market, 
And this is happening simultaneously with, with the government taking on more and more debt than, than most people expected, not unexpected by many of us, but, but by many you know, mainstream analysts. And they're issuing more and more bonds. And all the while, the Fed is buying fewer and fewer bonds. It's not hard to figure out what's going to happen to the bond market. And I think there's a huge bubble in the bond market. And, and I've been hearing a lot of, of very bright people talking about how, you know, if this next crisis happen, you know, plays out in the bond market, it's going to be far, far more damaging than something playing out in the stock market. Because if you think about it, you have all of this money in the stock market. The stock market takes a turn for the worse. Where does that money go? The bond market. But what happens if the money's in the bond market? Where is that money going to go? Now, I've heard people, some people say stocks. But stocks are going to be, I think, crushed in a high interest rate environment, a high rate environment. Where else are they going to go? I mean, sure, you're going to have some that may be going to precious metals. But, but I think the vast majority of it they're just going to be crushed, right? They only can keep so much in cash. Precious metals for, for many firms are out of the question and they're going to be stuck in bonds, right? They can go into equities if they want to, but I think equities are not going to do very well because I think the economy as a whole is not going to be doing very well. Valuations are already sky high. It's it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of money in, in the wrong place. Uh, the worst possible place when this next crisis hits. But, you know, I, w- I wanted to talk about this today. Um, another thing I want to talk about is uh, Tesla. I talked about them last Friday, and, and it's funny just how polarizing Tesla and Elon Musk is. Um, basically, the, the gist of what was going on was kind of like the latest scandal, the latest, I don't know, big piece of news over at, at Tesla. Basically, uh, you know, back in what July, uh, some, some, at some point over the summer, Elon Musk had, had tweeted out considering going private at four twenty four hundred twenty dollars, and turns out that he wasn't. Maybe he was planning on it, but he said he had funding secured. He didn't. He actually just had kind of a verbal, yeah, maybe we're thinking about it from like the Saudi sovereign wealth fund, and um, so basically the SEC sued him. Over the weekend, he did settle, which was not in my last video because he hadn't settled yet. Uh, his settlement ended up being that he is removed as chairman, although he maintains his position as CEO. I think they have to add some independent board members. And then he also got fined $20 million. Now, I think one important thing for, for investors and for everyone to remember is that that the lawsuits aren't necessarily over for Tesla or for Elon Musk. Um, first of all, the, the shorts that were burned by by that tweet, because of course the price is going to go up because the stock price was under $420 at the time of the tweet. There is a class action lawsuit against him because a lot of people have held a considerable short position. Um, the, the Department of Justice could very well uh, go after him for this as well. It's really going to be up to, to their, to their uh, uh, discretion, I guess, under their discretion. But um, I just found it very interesting in that video. I mean, I always knew Tesla was a very... Um, I guess polarizing company. Elon Musk, very polarizing guy, um, and yet I, I got the sense that a lot of of viewers, a lot of people, that commented saying, you know, I disagree on the whole Musk thing. I, I think he's a he's a genius. I think he's he's changing the world or whatever. I think it's important to keep in mind that we cannot, when it comes to public companies, we cannot separate financials from I don't know fluff Twitter account. Um, uh, uh, positive statements or, or talking about changing the world. 
okay? Because the fact of the matter is that, yes, Tesla cars, I'm sure, are great. I've never driven. I've never been in a Tesla. I think a lot of people have not at this point. But they, they look great, right? I think as far as electric cars go, they, they do have pretty great performance. I think uh, maybe their quality control, I've heard varying reports, but, but I think they tend to be not too bad. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people that say that they are really bad qu- or quality control, I think, are, are just saying that because they, they don't like Tesla or because they're really bearish on them. I'm sure the quality control isn't that bad at this point. I don't know. I don't know. I, I cannot make a definitive statement on that. I've heard varying reports. Okay. But the cars look cool. Okay. They're fast. A lot of them are. Okay. Now, I, I don't think electric cars by any means are the future. I don't think, or at this point, I should say, in 2018. Maybe maybe further off in the future, but, but right now, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. Um, I don't think that they are going to be able to replace you know 50% of internal combustion engines within the next 10 years or something like that. Maybe 20, 30, 40 years, but not yet, okay? But you know, I think Tesla has some great things going for it. But if you look at the financials of, this, of the company, they're horrendous, okay? So look at this right here. This is actually from Zero Hedge as well as that last one. Um, this is from, uh, to here, uh, from this year, August, actually, okay? This is through quarter two. So we're going to get quarter three, you know, coming up here, not too far from the future. Um, but this is Tesla net income. So basically, this is zero right here, okay? So they've had one, two quarters of positive net income, okay? Otherwise, you know, besides those two blips, what's the overwhelming trend on this chart? Worse and worse income. I mean, less and less income, right? And I shouldn't say less and less income, more and more negative income. I mean, it's it's, it's ridiculous. And, and what's crazy is inevitably people are going to think that, well, you know what, like this more and more uh, losses, this more and more in the, in the red, um, this will turn around as soon as the company begins to sell more and more cars, as soon as they get production figured out, et cetera, et cetera. Well, look at this chart. This is total revenue, okay? Try reconciling these two charts. Basically, what this is saying is that as, and this only goes through 2012, so they're not perfect, so it begins you know, back around here, okay? But as revenue has increased, the net income has been more and more negative. In fact, I've been, I've, I've seen people talking about how, you know, if Tesla wants to survive, um, you know, another quarter or two uh, beyond, you know, whenever they're going to run out of money, maybe think about producing fewer cars because the more cars you're producing, actually, the more you're going to be in debt because a lot of of the actual margin uh, on on these cars is is negative when when you look at the the facts of the matter. Um, here's another way of looking at it: uh, Tesla earning per shares. These are um, gap versus non-gap. So gap is is I think generally accepted accounting principles or something like that. Um, but but either way, way uh, no matter which way you look at it, the red is non-gap, which is a little bit I don't know. They can be a little bit more loose with their reporting, whereas this one's gap reporting. But either way, greater and greater losses per share. This is zero right here. Greater and greater losses per share. And so great. I mean, Musk can be the most influential, nicest, smartest guy in the world. But but what these charts are showing me is that Tesla as a company is a dumpster fire, right? It's it's in so much debt right now, okay? And, it, and it's, get, it's getting worse, okay? You know, I, I've talked in the past about the possibility of, of Tesla not being a company a year from now or being bought out or in the midst of bankruptcy filings. Um, 
and part of the reason that I believe that is 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 coming up here. Uh, they have some very important dates in terms of uh, them having to pay back debtors. So, for example, I think it's beginning of 2019. I think January of 2019. They have a huge debt payment coming up. And if, if you're looking for a motive here of why why Musk might be trying to push up the stock price, um, if the stock price is above uh, above a certain level, and I don't remember exactly what it is, uh, you'd have to research it. Two hundred ninety-seven dollars. Might be something else though. If it's above a certain amount, they can somehow use some equity to to pay off those loans to 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 um I guess pay back those those bondholders or whoever that that holds their debt. But if it's below that price, then then they have to pay back in cash. So that's significant. I mean, and the other piece of it is is that Tesla has huge aspirations. They they have for a long time now, but but they've they've created their their Model S, their their Model um, X, and then their Model Three. Now the next one's gonna be the Model Y. The Model Y is gonna be a capital intensive project, like in the past. Okay, it's gonna require require billions of dollars. They're either in a new factory, um, in 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 new equipment. Billions of dollars to to get the new Model Y off the ground, um, and yet at this point, I, a lot of people are saying that Tesla is going to have a very difficult time to, uh, raising the the capital for that. And we're talking billions of dollars. I'm not so sure that if there that, that there is any entity out there, bank that is willing to lend them that amount of money, individuals or banks. It, it's a lot of money, and they can issue um, stocks as well. But even that, I think, is going to be Growingly, uh, more more unpopular with their with their with their stockholders with um with their big investors because they've already issued so much equity to pay off um, to, to to kind of make up for these losses that you see right here. I mean, it, it, they're in a tough position. They are, and uh, and I think it's important to to separate your personal feelings about Musk from the financials of the company. I mean, it's don't get me wrong. That's something I struggle with as well because I'm not a fan of Musk, and so it makes me more likely to to not be a fan of the company. But I'm just looking at financials here. I'm talking about the fundamentals, and the fundamentals for Tesla show me that there's only a couple ways out of this. Okay, there's there's bankruptcy, chapter seven, chapter eleven, or whatever um, they have to go through. There is the fact that they could be bought out potentially at a much, much lower price than where they are right now per share uh, by, I don't know, Apple, Google, something like that. Sure, that, ha- that, that that's potential. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count that as a success for Tesla, at least not what many people are expecting, okay? Um, or else they, 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 they could get more funding from, from large banks, large investors, maybe the Saudi Wealth Fund, although I think they have already invested in a different electric car company. They could get a large amount of funding and it could maybe help them bring Model Y production online for a quarter or two and before they're already needing more money. I mean, Model 3 demand is already, I think, going to slowly um, peter out. We're going to see less and less Model 3 demand, even though they're saying that it's Model 3 demand is, is insatiable, that it's, it's going to continue forever. I don't think that's the case. I mean, they're expensive. The, the promise from Tesla was the $35,000 electric car, the $35,000 Model 3, they've sold, as far as I know, very few of those because they're just not profitable. Instead, they're selling them at 60, 80,000, whatever, you know, similar price to like the Model S and the Model X. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And so, so 
I don't know. I, I guess I'd present this to those people that are, are uber bullish on Musk and Tesla, um, the financials of the company. Because if you're going to tell me that it's just that they need to get the Model 3 online, they need to get the Model Y online, they need to sell more cars, they need to bring in more cash, and then they're going to make some money. Well, I, again, look at the, reference these two charts. As they've done that, they've lost more and more money. So I'd love to hear your thoughts this video down below in the comment section, both the Fed as well as Tesla. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, and God bless.